0: We're going to continue our series on uh, walking with Jesus, looking at the life of Peter as he walked with Jesus. Uh, We've looked at uh, him surrendering, we've looked at last week uh, how he uh, sank, but uh, in the lessons we learned and Jesus' response to that, and this week we're going to look at uh, Peter in a a, a way that uh, I hope that we can very much relate to our lives today. I know that this particular message spoke to me particularly, Uh, and as we introduce it, uh, let's look at Romans chapter 7, 14 through 18 to kind of get an idea of where we're headed. Romans chapter 7, 14 through 18 says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold as a slave under sin. For I do not understand what I am doing, because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So now I am no longer the one doing it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my flesh, For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. I don't know about you, but I feel this verse, uh, verses in so many ways here in Romans chapter 7, because... Many times in our lives, we have uh, those times where it just seems like we know what we're supposed to do, but we can't simply act on it. It's like we don't have the fortitude, we don't have the strength, we don't have the energy, we don't have the desire to do what we're supposed to do. Or we, we uh, uh, compromise, whatever the case may be. You know, we know what is right, but we don't do it. Right? We know what is wrong, uh, but we do it anyway. Uh, In Romans chapter 7 where Paul is talking about this, that war between the flesh, uh, the old man and the new man, the flesh and the spirit, uh, and how that we struggle with that and it's an everyday sacrifice to walk according to, uh, to to walk with Jesus. And so I want to have that in our mind Because as we look at Matthew chapter 16 here, Matthew chapter 16, which is where the meat of this sermon is going to come from, I want to have it in our minds that, look, we all have those highs and those lows, those times when we... I feel like we're we're right where we're supposed to be in those times when we really mess up. And we feel like, well, you know, one minute we're at the foot of the cross, the next minute we're the prodigal son, right? Well, as we walk this Christian life, as we walk with Jesus, we have those ups and those downs, those ebbs and those flows, those mountains and those valleys. And Peter was no different. And so I want to look at how, how uh, Peter... W- w- was walking with Jesus in one of these particular circumstances when he was been up and then he was down. How Jesus responded and how we can apply that to our lives today. Uh, so Matthew chapter 16, let's begin to look at verse 13. It said, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the The prophets. Now, let's just stop here uh, for a second and point out this. Look, many times. People are going to tell us who Jesus is, and it's not the right answer. Many times people are going to tell us, uh, you know, people are going to say, well, Jesus is this, or Jesus is that, or church is this, or church is that, your beliefs are this, or your beliefs are that, and it is completely false, so that's why we've got to make sure that our eyes are upon Jesus and not upon people, and not be swayed by the court of public opinion, not to be swayed by the rhetoric of those who are rebelling against God and rejecting God running from God but to have our conviction in Christ himself because listen, it is the conviction that Jesus Christ is Lord and who he says he is, that Jesus Christ is is the Messiah, that Jesus Christ is God that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead it is that conviction that will help us to walk with consistency in our Christian walk, uh, our walk with him. You see the devil likes to get us questioning. And I have to tell you, I've had many times where I've allowed the words of others, I've allowed watching circumstances in this world and commentary upon those circumstances to affect my view, to begin to affect and nag at my thinking, and to cause me to question who Jesus is, to question my beliefs, to question. What this is all about? I've had those occasions in my life. I've had those those questions recently. Uh, I'm human, and I, I have uh, you know, I, I make those mistakes where I get distracted by the commentary of fallen people truth is is that our commentary the only commentary we need is from the word of god and the holy spirit living inside of us speaking to us and speaking through us that's the commentary this world needs that's reflection—that's That's what is needed in this world, not more opinion of man, not more uh, man's, you know, uh, rebelliousness towards God expressed through his actions and expressed through his verbal dissatisfaction with his own life and the life of everybody else. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so as we begin this passage, it start, first starts here that we must be able to answer the question, who is Jesus? And we must be able to answer that question with conviction because if we don't, we'll never make it through the ups and the downs. We'll never make it through and we'll never have a consistent walk with Christ because we will not be able to get up when we fall down. And we will begin to walk with pride when we have those times that we feel like we are up. Because it all starts with that acknowledgement that Jesus Christ is Lord, as Savior, that He is God, that He is my Lord, that He is my Master. And that must come from a conviction from God and a conviction that we hold dear uh, and not from the commentary expressed by the world. So uh, I just know that was a tangent, but I wanted to go there for a second. Uh, So... Jesus, after hearing this, he said, uh, they, you know, they answered, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said, but you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. So Peter answers correctly, right? When Jesus says, who do you say I am? Peter says, Hey, ooh, 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 I have the answer. You are Christ, the Son of the living God. And what he was saying here is that you are the Messiah. He was saying here that I know that you are Lord and that you are King, that you are going to rule, that you are the one sent by God uh, in heaven to be the Savior of Israel. I mean, that's what he's saying, the Messiah, the Savior of Israel, the Savior of the world. I knew uh, that is what Peter was confessing here. The foundation of our faith was, it was, Jesus Christ, being who he said he is, the Savior of the world. And so when Peter answers this question, Jesus, he's excited. He actually gives Peter a pat on the back. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood do not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Now Listen. Uh, So Peter has given the correct answer. Jesus first says, this is not flesh and blood that's uh, given this to you, but my Father in Heaven. Meaning that Peter was walking in his relationship with Jesus. And he was growing and he was maturing. So he wasn't always just looking at what he saw with his eyes and trying to reason and his human reasoning. But he was also hearing uh, and learning from the Father in Heaven. And God, as he began to reveal stuff, that means it meant Peter was growing. He was maturing, he was growing in his relationship with God as he walked with Jesus, growing in his relationship with Jesus because this was revealed to him by God. That's one way that you know that you are growing instead of going backwards is that we begin to understand spiritual truths. Things that we cannot reason in our flesh, reason in our mind, reason in our thoughts, reason Uh, deductively the way that man says to reason because it's spiritual not physical it's eternal not temporary and one of the ways that we show maturity is that as we begin to understand the spiritual and walk according to the spiritual. Understand that this is not all about what we have here in the present but we're looking to a future hope. And glory. That's maturity. Spiritual maturity beginning to grow. And God illuminating truths to us. And scripture. Things that we had not seen before. Reading the same verse. That we've read a hundred times, but then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit speaks into our mind and into our hearts and uh, illuminates something brand new to us from that scripture so that we begin to see it in a new way and to be able to apply it, then apply it to our lives in a new way. That is a sign of growth. And as a time of excitement and a time to be excited, I don't know about you, but when I've read my word, I've been in church since I was four or five years old. I've read the Bible through. I've been teaching and preaching since I was 13 years old. I mean, you get to that point where you're like, my goodness. Uh, How could I learn something new, right? I mean, everyone gets to that point where you feel like you know it all, right? Um, And, and you know, you feel like, what else could I learn? But it is one of the most exciting things is that when God flips the light bulb on something, he turns the light switch and you suddenly see something in a completely different way. He illuminates a spiritual truth that we were blinded to before because we were looking at it through the eyes of the flesh and not through the eyes of the spirit. And it's a time of excitement. If you've had those times where you were looking for something and you were searching the scripture and you were wanting to hear God's voice and then suddenly uh, God speaks to you through his word and he illuminates, he allows you to see something that you had not seen there before. You're excited. And, and Peter was excited, I'm sure, because Jesus was excited. And Jesus says, look, God and my father revealed this to you. You didn't come up with this on your own. That's awesome. That's, that's maturity, Peter. You're growing up, man. And then he said, you know, bluster, you, you are Peter uh, and upon this rock I'm going to build this church you know build my church in the gates of hell I'm not going to prevail against it he's going to build his church based on that foundational truth that Jesus Christ was the Messiah the Son of God, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings the Savior of the world and upon the truth that Peter confessed and upon the conviction that Peter was given by God in that truth and also Peter and his obedience and that conviction. I mean, Jesus was giving him a major hand clap. Good job, Peter. So I'm sure Peter was excited. And Jesus goes on to congratulate and to encourage and to bless because of this... Moment of spiritual maturity that occurred. It's like um, I don't know if you ever played. Uh, if you play video games, I I, I actually have a, a, a addictive personality. If you couldn't tell, uh, and I like to play video games, but not just any video games. I can't play just open-ended video games. I need video games with a with a point to level to level your uh, character and level to level, um, you know, their experience and their gear and their abilities, uh, you know, those types of systems. Um, So uh, these massively multiplayer online role-playing games and things like that, that is my thing because you're leveling. And I know that when I first started playing, and even today, as a 43-almost-year-old man, when I reached a level... A new level in that game, I have a bit of excitement. What's my new ability that I've learned? What's this I can do now? What's this, right? I've reached a level, and I get excited in this silly old video game. Because I leveled up, right? I leveled up. That's exactly what happened to Peter here. He leveled up. Ding! Level two reached! Because he was growing in his spiritual maturity. Peter was doing well, and Jesus blessed him for it. And so, this is one of those spiritual highs where it feels like nothing could go wrong. You ever have one of those church services? One of those services where you are in God's presence and God is moving. And you just know that he's there and he's moving, and you leave, and you're like, I am never gonna mess up again. I am never gonna sin again. God, I have surrendered it all to you. I give you everything, right? We've sang the songs and we prayed the prayer and we cried the tears, and you know, we've left here. Devil stomping, you know, ready to just go and take on the enemy and kick him in the face and you know, stomp him in every area of our life, right? We live we're on top of that mountain, that mountain of victory, right? We're riding the high of emotion and excitement. We're riding the high of all of this stuff uh, while we're in this protected area. But when we walk out the door, reality sets in most time within minutes where you are presented with an opportunity to not surrender, or you're presented with an opportunity uh, to to mess up or do something that you felt like you had left inside the building and that you had left at the altar. And uh, now all of a sudden, you realize this isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. This is still going to be a challenge, right? You know, God helps us and the Holy Spirit works through us. But the truth is, there are times when we are riding those highs when we feel indestructible, infallible, like we're never going to mess up again and then we go into the real world and crash. We're all of a sudden down at the bottom. We were at the foot of Jesus now we feel like we're the prodigal son. One choice, one word, one action away from being where we know or believe that we we have to be to being so far from God it feels like we never knew him in the first place that we can't even call ourselves his child anymore like the prodigal son and so that's what happened to peter here peter was on the spiritual high jesus had blessed him in front of everybody had patted him on the back and told him great job he had seen a level up in spiritual growth and now we come to verse 21 peter goes from confessing christ as lord from this spiritual uh, uh, high to verse 21 of Matthew chapter 16. From then then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes to be killed and be raised the third day. Now, listen, there is no coincidence that Matthew writes it this way, that after Peter confesses that he is Lord, that he is the Messiah, that he is the king, that he is the Lord, right? That now Jesus is telling them, preparing them, yes, I am the Messiah, yes, I am the Lord, the Father in heaven revealed this to you, but you need to be prepared because the Messiah you're looking for is not the Messiah that I am. I'm not coming as a conquering hero this time. I'm not coming as a lion. I'm not coming as the one who's going to overthrow the tyranny of the Roman government. I'm not coming as the one to set myself up in an earthly kingdom right now. I'm here to die for your sins. There's no coincidence that this follows up what Jesus said, uh, what the events that just occurred with Peter and the disciples when he asked, Who do they say he was? Because. While he was Messiah and Lord and King, his his purpose at this moment in time in history was to become flesh, to be Messiah, was to die for the sins of mankind and to be raised from the dead. Now when Peter, who had just been patted on the back and told a great job not too long before this, right when Jesus began to say, but listen, I'm going to have to suffer and I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem. You know, some bad things are going to happen, and we don't know how detailed he got, but, you know, he probably talked about they were going to take his life, and he was going to have to lay down his life. And, you know, he was giving them the details to be prepared that when it began to happen, things were going to get bad in Jerusalem. I'm going to have to suffer there and die, right? I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be beaten. Um, Some bad things are going to happen there. And Peter doesn't like it. And so Peter took him aside. Now, Peter took Jesus aside and said, Jesus, and began to rebuke him. He says, oh, no, Lord, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned and told Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me because you are not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Oh, my goodness. We want from God, uh, Jesus patting Peter on the back and saying, you have grown, and your relationship. You have leveled up. You are uh, have grown spiritually. You have matured to now. We are back to down to the walking in this life and Jesus is telling something that Peter does not want to hear. He doesn't like the idea. I mean, he's just confessed to his Lord. What do you mean you're going to be beaten? And what do you mean you're going to die? What, what do you mean you're going to be rejected? What are you talking about? And so he brought Jesus aside and he, he rebuked him. Stop talking this way. I'll never let it happen. Happen. I'll never let you experience this. I'll protect you. I'll keep you. I won't let this happen. Why? Because he got in the flesh. He started seeing things with his human eyes and not his spiritual eyes. Where he was walking spiritually when he answered Jesus about who he say I am. Here he was walking fleshly. And he was seeing things from the eyes of the flesh, and from what he wanted as a human, and what he wanted in this body, what he wanted in this flesh, what he wanted as a person, and not what God wanted. He was on cloud nine, all the way down to being rebuked. He was so spiritually growing and mature and had leveled up. And now all of a sudden, in the same, you know, within, within uh, you know, days or uh, whatever the case may be, he was right back down to looking at things in the flesh. Why? Because of what we read in Romans chapter 7. I know what it is to do what's right, but I can't do it. Right? I understand that the, uh, that, uh, what is right and what is wrong but I still struggle to do what is right and to not do what is wrong. Because the flesh is warring against itself. The old man fighting the new man. The flesh fighting the spirit within us. And we war and we battle. And even Peter had moments where the flesh beat the spirit. Where he succumbed to the flesh Instead of obeying the Spirit. We already know that he knew Christ was Lord and Savior. We already know. And Jesus had told him, great job, Peter. God revealed this. You are maturing in your relationship with me. You are maturing in your relationship with God. And then, But also, he then got in the flesh. And he gave in to the desires of the flesh. And he forgot what he had, the lesson he had learned. And he messed up. And he rebuked Jesus. And so Jesus had to rebuke him and Jesus said to him, get thee behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns but human concerns. Peter trying to talk Jesus out of it telling him to be quiet, don't talk about it. Saying I'll never let this happen to you was a fleshly response to a spiritual truth. We are at our What's the right word? Most vulnerable, most low. When we begin to look and respond in the flesh to spiritual truths. Sometimes spiritual truths are hard. In this case, the spiritual truth, the truth was from God and his will was that Jesus was going to die and suffer many things. But in the flesh, Peter could not see the spiritual truth. Truth and the spiritual necessity of Jesus sacrificing himself and dying upon the cross. And so he looked at a spiritual truth through fleshly eyes and he responded in the flesh. And his response in the flesh was the opposite of what God's will was. So many times you and I try to operate outside of the will of God or we try to operate inside the will of God in the flesh. Instead of the spirit. We try to follow after God in the flesh. And not the spirit. We try to uh, you know, follow. And, 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 and do what he's called us to do. From the fleshly perspective. And not a spiritual perspective. But we cannot be successful. We cannot walk with God successfully. We cannot have consistency. In our walk with him. If we allow ourselves to see this world through fleshly eyes. Instead of spiritual eyes we become a hindrance and not a help. Peter was a hindrance to Jesus, telling him that he didn't have to suffer and that he wouldn't let it. You and I could become more of a hindrance than a help. And here's the thing, is that we do it. We make that transition, we have those falls, we have those moments and those failures where suddenly we uh, go from cloud nine to the bottom of the, of the valley. Peter did it too. And Peter was chosen by God. He was an apostle of Jesus Christ, a disciple, an apostle. He was the man on the day of Pentecost who preached the message and the church exploded from 120. I mean, God used him. He is the one who went and was crucified, Uh, Tradition holds upside down because he didn't want to be crucified. He wasn't worthy to be crucified in the same manner as our Savior. I mean, we're talking about a pillar of the faith here. We're talking about a man who loved God, a man who gave up everything to serve Jesus, a man who suffered, and a man who God used mightily. But guess what? He still made mistakes, and he still had times where he looked at things in the flesh instead of the spirit. When he looked at things from a way that was contrary to God's point of view. And when you and I do that, we're a hindrance. But the great thing is about God is that we don't have to stay in that fallen state. We don't have to stay in that place where we've been rebuked, where Jesus has said, hey, you messed up, where the Holy Spirit has convicted our hearts and said, hey, you messed up. Those words that you spoke, that action that you took, those thoughts that you had, you messed up, right? And what the devil likes to do is he likes to get in there, uh, right? And and, and we've messed up, and he reminds us of, oh, man, you remember how it used to be. You remember you were just in church on Sunday talking about how you were going to surrender, and now here it is, you know, Friday night, and you've made a lot of mistakes, so much for surrendering, right? Or, my goodness, uh, God just illuminated this truth to you, and now all of a sudden you're doubting again. You know, he just told you this truth, he just illuminated, he spoke to you through his word about he he was going to protect you, never leave you nor forsake you, but now here you are, you're doubting again, and you're wondering where he's at. You have no consistency, You're, you're, you're up and down, you're up and down. It's what the enemy likes to do, he likes to beat on us and make us... Uh, feel sorry for ourselves and make us condemn ourselves and hate ourselves. So instead of confessing Christ and saying we're sorry God, we're sorry uh, that we did this, we're sorry for the thoughts, we're sorry for the actions, we're sorry for the words, we're sorry for this lapse in judgment and then getting up and being forgiven and beginning to walk again with Him we wallow and feel sorry for ourselves and allow the enemy to heap condemnation and guilt upon us. But here's the thing, time is too short for us to wallow in guilt and condemnation and self-pity. We are going to make mistakes. Now through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us, we should be making less mistakes today than we did when we got saved, right? We should be growing and maturing, but we're still going to make mistakes Romans chapter 7 clearly teaches that Peter's life demonstrated because even after he was filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, Peter made a mistake read about it in Galatians where Paul had to rebuke him so he still messed up and he still allowed sometimes he got into the flesh and he saw things from a fleshly perspective instead of a spiritual perspective you and I are going to make mistakes but here's the thing how uh, are those mistakes defining us or is our walk with Christ defining us? The answer should be the walk with Christ. I, I love how Tony Evans quotes it. Let me see if I can explain it this way. He talks about his son playing football. He talks about how, you know, throughout uh, all the years of playing football, you put together footage. You're recording games from the time that they're in Pop Warner or the, or the you know, small children's leagues all the way up through college, you're You're videotaping the games and you're videotaping and getting highlights and mistakes and failures and good stuff and bad. You've got this game film of your entire football career from the time that you started and you could barely run to the time that you're in the peak of your health as a college athlete. You know, you're in the the peak of of, of health, healthiness, the peak of your athletic prowess and your body. Uh, And uh, you've got this whole life, right? Now, the question is, When a scout looks at that tape, what do they see? Because you're going to see mistakes. You're going to see a missed block. You're going to see a fumble. You're going to see a missed tackle. You're going to see a missed field goal or extra point, a blocked field goal, blocked extra point. You're going to see a poor punt. You're going to see bad things. But then you're also going to see good things and what differentiates someone uh, player from just being a college player and being an NFL player is that the good things that they do overshadow the bad things they do, meaning that their lo- football film is characterized more by great events than bad events, great decisions than bad decisions. And as you and I accept Christ as Lord and Savior, God is looking at the entirety of our game film, right? And our life should be characterized by more good decisions than bad decisions. Our game film should show more good things than bad things. Oh, there's going to be the bad things in there. Sometimes some really bad things, like David and Bathsheba bad things, right? Uh, Adultery and murder. You know what I'm saying? Like David bad stuff, right? Uh, There's going to be uh, things in there that we're not proud of, we're ashamed of. But here's the key. Are the good choices and the good times, good things, outnumber the bad choices? In your game film of life, since the time that you accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, are you spiritually growing and maturing? And the answer should be yes. You and I should be able to look back over our life and see a slow, gradual maturing as we walk with Christ. And not allow... The things, the mistakes that we make, the bad choices we make, those times when we look with eyes that are in the flesh instead of eyes that are in the spirit to cause us to uh, wallow and, and, and be condemned and feel guilt and shame to the point that we want to give up. Get up, call upon Christ. He'll forgive us, have mercy on us. And we can begin to walk again. We can begin to walk Again, that's the great thing about God is we don't have to be defined by our mistakes. We're defined by him. We're not defined by our failures. We're defined by Jesus. We're not defined by our actions that are are rebellious towards God. We're not defined by those things in the sight of God. We're defined by Christ. And so when I mess up, I just have to get back up again. When I fall down, I just have to get back up again. Not be condemned, not feel, uh, want to give up, but get back up again. I believe it was Herschel Walker. They asked him what his success, what, what was his success based on. How could he do it? He was known for, as a running back, he would take vicious hits. But the thing is, is that when he would take a hit, go back and watch, when he would get hit, as a running back, and they take their bodies take brutal, brutal beatings. As soon as the play was over, he would hop right back up and go back into the huddle. There was no wallering around the ground, there was no slowness to it, there was always energy and effort, and hopping right back up, and, and he would go and take the hit again right? Hit me the ball again, right? Give me the ball again, give me the ball again. And he would take the hit again and he would uh, uh, get back up, right? He would take that hit again and fall down and get back up. And I asked him, what is the key to your success? And he said, getting up one more time than I'm knocked down. And our Christian walk of ups and downs, always make sure that you're getting up one more time than you're knocked down. One more time than that last mistake, get back up again. One more time than that last bad choice, get back up again. One more time than that last poor, you know, uh, word that you spoke, get back up again. Get back up one more time than you're knocked down, and you and I will finish this race. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here, the opportunity to preach your word, and I just pray, God, that you would move upon each one of our lives, our hearts, and our minds. Help us, Lord Jesus, to look at your word and to receive from it, to be changed by it. Speak to our hearts and help us, Lord Jesus, to see that we will make mistakes and we will mess up and we will let you down. But God, help us to recognize that those, that is at the end of the line, that is in the end of the road, that even great men like Peter made mistakes. And looked at things from a fleshy perspective sometimes instead of from a spiritual perspective. And I pray that you would help us, help me to recognize to not wallow in self-pity when I do make a mistake but to get back up again to follow after you, to recommit to serve you with all that I have within me I pray God for your blessing, your guidance and your direction protect us all give wisdom to leadership as they begin to make decisions on opening our state, our country, businesses bless those, protect those who are opening, God, and I pray that you would give them blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Lord, restore what has been taken, what has been destroyed, what has been lost. I pray that you protect your people, guide us, go with us, direct us in all that we say and do in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I pray that you have a wonderful week. Remember that we love you, we care for you. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe within the next two weeks, we'll be able to be back live with you every Sunday. God bless. Love you all. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and we're blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org. Or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.